Hey there, Dunker Punks. Matt Riddle here. He, him pronouns, pastor of the Arlington Church of the Brethren, and host for this ongoing series that's a partnership with Women's Caucus to further illuminate the passions and backgrounds of our annual conference ballot nominees. Whether you're learning for your own information as a delegate, to talk to other people about in community, or just to know how to counsel your church's delegate, it is so important to take it all in and then communicate it to the leaders you know to make sure that your voice is heard. Young people have interest, insight, care, and hopeful energy that our denomination needs today if we are to ever thrive tomorrow. So with the annual conference coming up, make sure to pass on what you're listening to. Take it all in and then pass it on. Pass it on and talk to your pastor or your church's delegate or any engaged leader you know. Make sure that your voice and energy are heard so we can build together a vision for tomorrow that represents your passions and insights best. So let's take another dive into the pool of nominees and continue our journey. In this episode, Bobby Dykema interviews the candidates for annual conference secretary, David Shoemate and Connie Burkholder. What makes the position you're being considered for important in the life of the broader church, whether Church of the Brethren or the Christian church as a whole? Well, I believe that the annual conference secretary is a person that assists the annual conference officers uh, by taking the minutes, uh, by keeping an accurate record of what takes place, uh, by having a knowledge of the polity and the policy and the practice and the procedure of the church. And um, that particular role has a presence that provides continuity for the leadership team of the Church of the Brethren. Now, as far as how that applies to the wider church, uh, it would be harder for me to say that. So how would you say that you are better suited for this position this year than you might have been five or 10 or even 20 years ago? Well, I have about 30 years experience taking minutes uh, because I serve, uh, my paid position is I'm the district executive minister. My organizational position is I'm the secretary of the corporate board. And so uh, I take all of the minutes for the executive committee, all of the minutes for the district board. Uh, I prepare the agendas and the attachments. I send those out. And we have a board that um, is approximately the same size as the standing committee of the Church of the Brethren. So I'm used to dealing with that kind of material. Um, The custodian of the official records of the corporation, uh, every year uh, we have a notebook that we keep each district board year in, and those tend to be four to six inches. Uh, because we have four quarterly meetings of the executive committee, four quarterly meetings of the board, and that does not count call meetings. So I've been used to coordinating all that uh, with the help of the staff that I have. Terrific. Thank you. 
So is there a person or an organization, either currently or in your past, that has inspired you or helped you develop your gifts for the fat passion and skills for this position? Well, I've worked with uh, Fred Swartz when I was the annual conference moderator, and uh, Fred was a great, great man to work with. Uh, I've worked with Jim Beckwith because he was the moderator before I was, and um, I have been a prayer partner with Jim, uh, as well as the other district executives and the leadership team for many years, which um, Jim has had a real ministry to me uh, in reminding me that he is praying for me as a district executive. And um, I certainly have prayed for the leadership team all that time. And he and I communicate about that more than I would with the others. Uh, So in that sense, you know, I've Kathy Huffman was secretary of annual conference, and she and I have been friends for a long time. She was district conference moderator. She's uh, served in numerous district roles. And uh, so those are people that I've worked with on that level. I, I suppose the uh, inspiration for me being in the, the position that I'm in, uh, probably there are two people that really were important to me in considering a district executive position, which comes with all the experiences that I've had. And that would have been Owen Stoltz, who was my district executive when I was a young person. And um, he had a very good pastoral style. And then the uh, former district executive in Illinois, Wisconsin, which was Carl Myers, who when I was uh, testing out my call, Uh, took me sight unseen and placed me in a church in central Illinois uh, and was very good to follow up with me. Um, I remember one time I ran into him at Bethany Chapel and he asked me how the people in in the church were. And I said, well, I think they're comfortable. And he said, that's what I was afraid of. And so he, he was teaching me lessons. And I was soaking that up. And um, I would also say that um, my experiences in the church over the years, uh, many of which have not been sweetness and light, have inspired me to uh, do this kind of work. I mean, I'm I'm used to the, uh, the joys and the meaning of it all. And I'm also used to the uh, difficulties and the hardships that come with uh, this kind of work. That's great. Thank you. So I know that when folks are nominated for the annual conference ballot, you get an email indicating um, the brief reason for nomination. But um, in your own words, why do you think you were nominated for this position? I suspect it was uh, someone that's uh, worked with me on the district board or in some way, shape, or form that's familiar with me. Uh, It may have been not only because they've seen me uh, do secretarial kinds of work, uh, but it may be also because, you know, we have to hash through a lot of polity and other kinds of issues that make me familiar with the structure of the church. And I've been teaching a a polity leadership class for quite some time for non-seminary ministers. So 
could have been one of those folks. And the fact is, I actually withdrew my name from nomination. And I got a call from the nominating committee and was asked to put it back in. So, uh, because I had decided that, um, that I needed to take my hand off the doorknob and let God open the doors. And so I figured when I got the call from him to put it back in that, that might've been God, but you know, we'll, we'll leave that to subjective imagination. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you. So holding a leader leadership position in the church is a lot of work um, on top of whatever else you've got going on in your life. So how do you envision taking care of yourself while juggling multiple responsibilities? Should you be elected? Well, uh, you know, recently you probably read that I've announced my retirement at the end of this year. And uh, part of the reason for announcing that early was to facilitate the district board and being able to replace me so that there might be some overlap time at the end of the year where I would fade out and the other person would, uh, for lack of a better phrase, fade in. Uh, One of the reasons that I retired is is that um, I've had a couple of experiences in the last six years that um, really led me to that decision. The first was I had a life-threatening illness in 2016 uh, that resulted in me being in the hospital and therapy for 56 days. And um, I came out of that with the idea that I really needed to do better health-wise in in taking care of myself. And I probably would have retired from this position in, oh, 2018, 2019, but I stayed because of the difficulties that the district and the church at large are going through uh, because I felt like I had something to add to that, uh, which is, I would call that relational glue. Uh, I don't know a better way to put it. And um, when the uh, pandemic came, I went from working 70 and 80 hours a week and traveling 30, 35,000 miles a year to all of a sudden less than 10,000 and working 40 or 45 hours a week. And as a result, I had more time for exercise and I have walked for many, many years. And so I went from from uh, walking all 400 miles a year to last year, I walked 2,400. And so as a result, I lost uh, approximately 130 pounds without being on any program. And I guess the other side of that is, is that when you work with the church, and I'm sure you've experienced this, almost everything we do has a meal event attached to it. And if you're district executive, if I'm having a three or a four church Sunday, I might have three or four meals during the course of that day. And even though you might try to eat less, you you know, the boundaries get blurred. And then to uh, leverage my time, I often had meals with pastors during the week. And as a result, um, you know, uh, when the pandemic came, I didn't um, 
well, the church meals went away and it was a lot easier to, to guard my boundaries. So the positive was the exercise. The negative was refraining from temptation. So as things have opened back up a little bit, it became apparent to me that it was going to be harder for me to find the time to do the things that I wanted to do. And my doctor says I'm the four healthiest people he knows. Not one of the four, but all four. And um, so I feel like that by retiring, I can maintain a level of exercise and a level of non-consumption that would benefit me because I'm maintaining healthy boundaries. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Absolutely. That's really great. Yeah. So one last two-part question, um, which is probably the deepest question. What is your vision for the Church of the Brethren, and how do you long for us to become more aligned with the teachings of Jesus? Well, I hesitate to talk about vision for the Church of the Brethren because my understanding of our theology is that we work at those kinds of things collectively. I would like to see us be um, a church that is more including, more involving, uh, more outgoing than what we've been. And uh, one of the things that that has meant a lot to me in the work that I've uh, been at here is um, we have multiple cultures anyway because we cover an area that's 500 miles wide and about 200 miles deep at its largest. And and when I started, there were probably about eight different cultures that I identified amongst the 90-some-odd churches that I was working with. But since that time, uh, we we have planted uh, three churches that... um, are primarily Latino. And I've really been stretched by the fact that I don't think I realized how ordered brethren are until I saw how the Latino church works at things. And it's radically different. Mm-hmm. And that was that was helpful for me. And I, I would like to see us um really reach out to people uh, that are different than we are, uh, not to be trophies, but to learn from them and to welcome them. And, uh, you know, that's a journey I've been on for a long time, and I'm still on that journey. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Now, you want to talk a little bit about Jesus and his teachings? Yeah. Um, I always have enjoyed the words of comfort of Jesus, but I have always been challenged by the hard sayings. And I think sometimes we have majored on applying the teachings of Jesus to society, which is important. Without talking about how they apply to each of us as individuals and how 
how we have to work at those things. And uh, so, you know, I have um, over the years picked uh, certain verses and thought, now, how does that work in my life? What When Jesus said, uh, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, what kind of peacemaker am I? Um, when Jesus said, you have heard it said, um, you know, love your friend, hate your enemy, so to speak. But I say to you, which there's no direct Old Testament or Hebrew Bible uh, citation for that, but Jesus said it anyway. Uh, so it must have been a popular saying. Um, the Sermon on the Mount really should challenge all of us. It certainly challenges me. And um, I think about, uh, you know, people like uh, Simon Peter that uh, on the one hand confessed Jesus as the Messiah and the Christ and turns right around and Jesus ends up saying to him, Satan, get thee behind me. Uh, so, you know, we're all works in progress with Jesus. And I don't believe that I'm a finished work, and I don't know anybody that is. Uh, but we need to struggle with those things and, and trust the grace and mercy of the Almighty as we uh, journey through that. I've sometimes wondered if, um, if one of the things that hinders us as a church and, and it's difficult for me to say this as a bureaucrat, because I also understand the, the reasons for this, but it's, it's difficult. I wonder if church membership keeps us from inviting people to seek Jesus or to follow Jesus. And I'm not sure that, that those are the same thing. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not. And I would like to see us have that kind of discussion in the church. Uh, we've spent way too much energy over the years fighting battles. And we have spent not enough time following Jesus. So that's my benediction. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, I will be holding you in prayer as we approach the annual conference and whichever way the election goes. I'm glad to know that you're on the ballot. In your view, what makes the position that you're being considered for annual conference secretary um, important in the life of the broader church? Well, when when I knew that I was um, when I was on the initial ballot that standing committee was going to vote on, I announced to my congregation um, mm -hmm. about that, and I said, sort of in jest, that it was more like a secretary to the brethren world rather than as secretary for the annual conference. And that's a bit of an exaggeration, I suppose, but the role is defined as a secretary or minute taker for a number of denominational groups. So it carries with it a significance just because of having a great deal of responsibility for the record keeping of those groups of leaders. The um, annual conference secretary also, as I've heard it described, um, it participates fully in the leadership team of the denomination and so is officially one of the officers of, 
of our beloved church. So there's a potential for helping to guide the ministry and the direction of, of the denomination. And the secretary is also, uh, as I understand it, a point of contact in various ways uh, on behalf of the leadership team um, with members of the denomination. And I see that as a significant role as well as the leadership team seeks to communicate carefully and accurately and wisely to the wider church. So those are some of the uh, reasons I see the role being important in the life of the Church of the Brethren. What is your vision for the Church of the Brethren, and how do you long for us to become more aligned with the teachings of Jesus? Well, I'm, I'm very thankful for the compelling vision statement and certainly give my support as we seek to make that vision become reality. I think it's, it's connected uh, for a number of people as um, kind of building on our, you know, identification line, continuing the work of Jesus peacefully, simply together. It puts some other language in front of us to, um, I think, work at continuing in, in that manner. Um, so that I can embrace that, that vision for the denomination. Beyond that, I, I wanted to answer the, your question by way of telling about a couple retreat, uh, experiences I've, I've had in the last few months. Um, I, I did leadership in two different retreat settings earlier this year, the, uh, in that first retreat, in the calling the call retreat, I was caught up short at one point. I had, I had shared that we work at spiritual discernment by paying attention to the movement of the Holy Spirit within us in our spiritual consolations and desolations, and then that when we've done that, we also have another step um, in terms of testing a decision against the witness of scripture and the teachings of the church. And in the midst of that, I realized that all the persons that were on this Zoom retreat uh, that were discerning, or who I knew that were discerning, uh, they were all women. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I found myself saying, sometimes the teachings of the church have to catch up with the way that the spirit is moving in people or some kind of language like that. I, and I felt like I had to acknowledge that the church does not always welcome women into ministry or leadership roles. And, and then in that second retreat, again, there were women there discerning their call and some of them were women of color. And I don't, really know about their experiences. Uh, you know, most of them, I was just meeting them for the first time in, I've, I felt that I had to acknowledge that sometimes there's a lag between how persons are being called to serve and what gets proclaimed as the teachings of the church. Um, you know, as it's only been in my lifetime, specifically in 1958, that women 
or granted full ordination rights. So from, from the 1834 annual, conf, annual meeting where Sarah Ryder Major was called on the carpet and she was told, um, no, women are not permitted to preach until 1958, um, you know, 124 years passed. And of course, Sarah Major continued to preach courageously, even though she still met with resistance and, and prejudice. So, you know, today we still have some of that issue in, in our midst, and we have other additional issues of welcome and inclusion that are divisive for us. And so your question prompted me to think about that in terms of my own hope and longing for the church um, is that the teachings and statements of the church would more uh, be in line with the teachings of Jesus who welcomed all and called all people to serve. And so I hope uh, that it doesn't take 124 more years for us to get to that point. So, <clears throat> I, you know, I know that there are other things that I hope and long for in the church, but this is, this is one of them that has um, been important for me to work at around the edges, perhaps not um, announcing it on the rooftops, but encouraging women in ministry, encouraging uh, my sisters and brothers in the LGBTQ community to uh, be part of the, the church and to, you know, to be here and for us to be able to say that all are welcome. Thinking about yourself, what makes you better suited for this position now that you might have been five or 10 or even 20 years ago? Mm -hmm. Well, frankly, I would not have considered a nomination to this position uh, prior to being a district executive. I, I don't know that anybody thought about that for me, but I, I don't think I would have. Uh, serving in the district executive role gave me experience with the wider church uh, and expanded my knowledge and awareness of groups and people and processes. Um, not that I know everything or everyone in, in the denomination or know everything about the denomination, not by long shot, but that ministry as in the district ministry gave me a point of entry that I hadn't had before. Yeah. And I think that experience uh, makes me better suited than I was prior to that. And that's been some time ago. I started as district executive in Northern Plains in 1996. So, you know, that's been a significant while ago. But also in the last several years, I feel like I've come to claim my authority as a minister in deeper ways. Now, I realize that um, you don't have to be ordained or licensed to the ministry to be in the, in the secretary role. But I, I have, a, I think, a deeper sense of that authority. And it happened particularly when I was pastoring in Roanoke, Virginia. I began to recognize that my years in ministry had come to uh, help me be more mature in my wisdom, 
and that, you know, after 30 some years at that point, uh, that I probably had something to offer to the church um, more than I had perhaps realized. And that was particularly true in relationship to an opportunity I had to supervise someone who is a seminary student and in training for ministry. And um, I, I developed a greater sense of how I was giving leadership um, in that congregational setting as well, calling the congregation to step out in um, leadership with, with courage and, and faith and integrity um, in, into, at some point, some new ministry and to move sort of off dead center where they had been for a while because of some you know, difficult circumstances. So through all of that, I think I've come to a deeper sense of um, just who I am in ministry and in leadership uh, within the church, just, you know, in those last several years. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful to hear more about your journey and get to know you better in this process as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been interesting to think back over it, too, for this purpose. Yeah. Cool. So is there a person or an organization either now or in your past that has inspired you or helped you develop your gifts um, towards the passion and skills in preparation for this position? Well, there've certainly been um, people along the way in my life who've called me to leadership and encouraged me um, and persons who have modeled leadership in the church who have helped shape me and modeled women in leadership in the church. Um, and that's that's been true for me from my years as a young adult. Uh, that's when I would, I guess, began to notice that, that people were um, were shaping me for leadership and for ministry. Um, and, and so that's continued over my life. I can't think of anyone who specifically shaped me for the annual conference secretary role. That's a pretty specific kind of uh, uh, task, I guess. Um, But as I mentioned earlier, um, being a district executive and serving as part of the council of district executives gave me a glimpse into the working of the denomination and being part of the Council of District Executives and being the secretary of that group for a term uh, gave me some practical experience in in the secretarial role. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Um, so I know that when persons are nominated, you get an email saying this is the person who nominated you and, and here's their rationale. But how would you, um, in your own words, describe how, why you think you were nominated for this position? Well, there were actually, the nomination came from two sources. I mean, there were two different uh, nominations. One was from um, a district executive who I had actually not met prior to being the interim in Illinois, Wisconsin. I mean, I knew of him and had respect for what I've seen uh, of him but had not really worked with him or or met him. So he sent me a note uh, 
about his nomination, saying that he was aware of my skills for taking um, minutes in meetings. <laughs> so I assume he had been reading back through the code uh, minutes or something, I don't know, and, and had a sense of that. So, um, and I guess just uh, to, to say that someone who knew me in that interim role um, in Illinois, Wisconsin had, had a, that sense of perhaps I could serve in this role. So I, I don't know more than that from, from that uh, nomination. The other uh, source was from, actually from the Verlina District Board. Um, and the, of course, there are folks who know me there because of my having served uh, for three years in that district and then from seminary and, you know, other contexts. But what they expressed uh, was that they knew of my uh, experience in leadership in the denomination as a district executive and um, that I would bring a calm presence mm -hmm. to the annual conference secretary uh, work. So that's that's what I gleaned from those uh, context. I I think my experience has been that most people have a, a sense of my being trustworthy in the in the ways that I've been in leadership, and so I suppose that's that's part of it. Although that was not expressed specifically. Well, I bless those folks for bringing your name forward. Oh, well, the district executive titled his email to me, sorry, not sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> which seemed pretty apt to me in light of this being such a weighty role. But so I decided I would accept the nomination, even despite that weightiness at this point. Well, that just uh, folds right into the next question. Um, holding a leadership position in the church is a lot of work on top of whatever other roles or tasks or uh, family and personal life you have. Um, so how do you envision taking care of yourself while juggling responsibilities of annual conference secretary should you be elected? Yeah, that that is a good question because it, it is a very weighty position, the more I read about it, the more I thought, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it is actually the, I think the officers uh, are intending to look at the scope of that because it it, it is um, quite a lot of responsibility uh, for a volunteer position. Well, well, anyways, at this time though, in my life, you know, I'm, um, in my retirement years, uh, though I am part of a pastoral team where I preach about once a month, and I also have other responsibilities within the congregation um, that you know I carry out uh, in various ways. If I'm elected uh, to the annual conference secretary role, it, it's possible that I may need to limit some of those responsibilities, and I've given that a little bit of of thought. Um, you know, I didn't feel like I wanted to go too far down that road without really um, seeing how how that role would develop if if I would be elected. 
In terms of other um, ways, I, you know, I'm thinking about self-care. Um, I'll, I'll certainly be continuing um, my, my spiritual practices, my practice of daily centering prayer and reading of devotional materials. And of course, I'll continue to meet with my, my own spiritual director um, on a monthly basis. And um, in the past, for quite a number of years in my ministry, I've tried to take periodic retreat days away from ministry. And the last few years, I've not uh, found an easy way to do that. And in the pandemic, it's been practically uh, impossible because the places that one would go for a spiritual retreat have been closed or very limited visitors or guests. So I'm hoping to, um, whatever happens with the the balloting, the election, I'm hoping to do that uh, for myself as I find that a a way to keep grounded deeply in um, God's care for me and just a refreshing uh, way of, uh, for my spirit. Um, in terms of some other self care, I, during the pandemic, again, it's just affected so much. Um, I got disconnected with, um, the fitness center where I have a membership Mm -hmm. where I was going fairly regularly at some points over the last several years, but um, I'm just getting restarted there now that now that the uh, the rates of cases in the area and the transmission rate is is low. So that would be part of my self care um, for staying healthy. Um, and then, you know, your question was helpful because it got me to thinking. Okay, what else would I need? in this role because of the 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 connections and responsibilities and so i'm i'm wondering for myself if i would need to reach out to some other persons for support um in these in these circumstances and i don't know what that would look like yet but um i i do want to consider that if that seems like that would be helpful as I'm in the midst of it. And then another part that's another piece that's been important for me is um, I have a friend from seminary who across the years, you know, we've been talking on a monthly basis on the phone. And during the pandemic, we've um, increased that to every other week. And that those kinds of connections from a distance from someone who uh, knows me well from across the years is an important part of of my self care and kind of staying staying uh, grounded and attuned to um, you know where I am and what I'm doing. So um, those are some ways that I've I've thought of from your question. Terrific. 